Welcome to this week's Priority Now podcast, encouraging women to become better disciples of Jesus. Every week we hear from women just like us that are being intentional to know Jesus more and to make Him known. Here's your host, Carmen Halsey. Hi, ladies, and welcome to this week's Priority Now podcast. Today, I don't have a guest with me live to introduce you to because I want to go back into our archives and pull out a podcast that I would just want to ask you guys, will you take a fresh listen to it at this particular season of your life? Uh, many of you ladies know Christy Cole joined us at Priority. It was really, she was supposed to be with us live, but she was the year during the pandemic when we had to 100% pivot online. She did a phenomenal job helping us unpack in some of her breakout sessions that Azare concept. What does it mean that that biblical femininity, and I have to say that real slow, ladies, because that word doesn't like to roll off my tongue, but that Azare quality in us, that God, that characteristic of God that he gives to women only, the gender of women. And um, the reason I want to pull this podcast back out and ask you guys to take a fresh listen to it today is be- because Christy is going to be joining us this fall live in our state. She's going to be our speaker, our primary speaker at our awesome conference, which will be held in November. That's our student girl conference. And there's room, ladies, if you're listening, you're like, oh, but Carmen, I want to hear her. And I'm not a student. Grab a student, bring her, sixth through 12th grade, bring her and come and be part of that, be part of that weekend with us. But but I'm asking you as we go back into the archives and share this, Christy talks about what does that discipleship model look like? Why Bible training? Why Bible literacy within the local church? What does it look like? And I just believe we can be influential in that ladies so that's why i'm pulling this one back out asking you to take a fresh listen today so so let's go together and listen to christy christy thank you for being with us today thanks for having me we're excited to have you friend and just want to continue to learn from you ladies you you'll be able to see on the podcast notes we're going to feature um, not only the main general session that christy taught for us in priority but also her three breakout education sessions um, so if you've not had an opportunity to listen to those i would just highly encourage you to do that and make sure you share those with other women in your circle back to back to your church so Christy, today, I don't want to repeat the information that you recorded for us in those in those education sessions, but I do want to um, encourage women to go there and why it would be valuable to them. Could you give them uh, this Azer concept? You know, I love it. That's, I think, where I was first attracted to you and your teaching. Will you just start us off today just to give women just a, a snippet? What do we mean by that? And why would they benefit from listening to what you delivered at Priority if they've not yet? Yeah, so one of the things that we found when we started trying to figure out how to disciple the women of our church around the issue of identity is that so many of the studies, and this was 10 years ago, there there are many good resources out there now, I think, but 10 years ago, there were really no robust resources around what it meant to be a woman created in the image of God. Everything kind of was centered around role and a season of life. And so it was, you know, a lot about being a wife or a mom. We felt like it really had a flat view of God's design for women. And so one of the elders of our church was tasked with creating a discipleship model for our women. And so the first question that he asked himself was, what's the difference between a role that a woman plays and a God-given design? And so really, uh, that was how we got started. And the desire was for us to create some common language 
around what it meant to be created in the image of God so that we could disciple each other well. And uh, when you don't have a common language and you're trying, you can't really accomplish the same goal. And so the uh, study was really uh, about educating women, what the Bible says about what it means to be created in the image of God as a necessary strength, as an essential counterpart, as a strong ally, one who is not a secondary thought in the mind of God, or even falling into what we found were either cultural stereotypes or even Christian stereotypes, but that were empowered women to live out their necessary strength, their azer or their azer. A lot of times we'll say azer, mm-hmm. but their azer design in their unique individuality and season of life. Uh, because each woman, God loves diversity, and each woman has been created in such amazing ways with her own unique story, her own unique experiences in life, her own unique sets of gifts and talents, uh, the harms that have been done to her, the harms that have been done by her, the brokenness of the world, how all of that kind of forms her as who she is and how God works in and through all of that for her to be a necessary strength in the context of the relationships and her spheres of influence. And that's not just a husband or just a child, or it is friends, it is neighbors, it is students, it is co-workers, it is your boss, it is, I mean, that can be lived out and should be lived out in strength-giving ways in every season of our life, whatever role we play. Yeah. One of the things, just as I've, you know, as I've sit under your teaching and and read the book, I just love because it is so foundational, you know, and when you talk about giving a common language, I think we, we don't realize how much value that brings into any organization, you know, whether that's a relationship between two people, an organization of a family, um, because so many times we attach emotions and feelings to things without even knowing that we're doing it, that when there's that common language, um, you see it a lot in marketplace, you know, business that they say, these are our core beliefs, you know, we're going to talk these things, but I don't necessarily think that's a part of an infrastructure often, you know, in church. So having that common language is key. I want to ask you, how has that helped in your church? You know, because I I really want to get a picture of how God's positioned you in your church and what does it look like to invite a woman into this discipleship model and to navigate her down that path. And, you know, what do you do with the masses? I think that's something that a lot of our women's leaders struggle with. It's like, okay, I, I, I see that person, but, you know, and I want to take him into the word of God, but how do I get him into all this stuff? You know, how do all these extra little teachings go side by side with getting them into the word of God. So can you just sort of break that down for us and show us what does it look like at your church to have that discipleship pathway? What is it? How do you bring a new woman into somebody that's been there 10 years and so forth? Yeah, I'll try to be not long-winded on that because mm-hmm. that's a, a great question. Um, and I would say that we are still learning and there are ways in which, you know, I think we've done some things well, and there are ways in which we've not done some other things well from a church perspective. And so if we take big picture church perspective, um, our Sunday morning teaching is always um, exegetical teaching. So we're going through a book of the Bible, and that is how we are taking our people through the scriptures. 
Um, we give them reading plans to read throughout the week uh, so that they are growing in the knowledge of the Word of God. Secondary to that, it, but I would say that's our primary model, um, and all of that gets worked out in our long-term biblical community, which we have called community groups, and those are mixed gender groups uh, where they are working through the sermon, wrestling through real-life issues, um, and coming alongside one another. All of our men and our women, uh, the goal that we have is that for our men, we have quest for authentic manhood, and for our women, we have biblical femininity. And so our goal is that every man and every woman who comes to Grace Church uh, would go through their that study within the first year of being at Grace, because that is a foundational discipleship tool for us. So in the, the mixed gender groups and community groups, while they're studying through the scriptures um, on Sunday morning and talking through those in their community groups, they all also have this foundational understanding of femininity and masculinity as not a false construct or a social construct, but something that God actually designed and it's good. But then secondary to our long-term biblical community, we have short-term biblical community in men's groups and women's groups. Those groups are, they're short-term, they're usually anywhere from seven to 10 weeks long, and they're always more topic focused. The, the topics though are still around common struggles for women. And, and so as a church, uh, we are not creating resources just to create resources. We will not do something unless we are unanimous that, yes, this is an issue um, that our, our women or our men need to have addressed from the scriptures. We will search the scriptures and apply them to these areas of a woman's life in ways that can help them find healing from pain, shame, sin, guilt, whatever the issue may be. And also, what does a path forward look like? What does repentance look like? What does what does the Bible really say about this? Because a lot of times what we find um, in all of the topics that we've addressed so far with our women is a mix of cultural ideas and biblical ideas mm-hmm. that get kind of blended into some sort of weird Christianity. And mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily that their understanding and, and the way that they are living in these areas are really shaped by the scriptures. It's so solid because it's so foundational, but there's just something so simple. You know, it, when I listen to you, it's, it's like, I can do that. You know, we can do that. It almost clears confusion out. Um, and it, you know, just as it, it layers one thing on top of the other. Um, and, and I know there's depth there when I hear you talk and there's just something so refreshing. And that would, that, I think there would be something refreshing in that to me had I not even sat under some of your teachings. But then, you know, when you, when you get to participate in some of these groups or, you know, through your books or whatever that, you know, the format is, it's like, wow, because you're right. It's something that I walked away with in real time to be able, number one, to understand, number two, to break down some of maybe what I had been taught previously 
and it and it's not pointing a finger back to maybe saying that that was a bad teacher as much as it was out of context, you know, or or um, it what didn't have all the context or the depth, you know, the root of the word, and and that is just so intriguing to me and to the women, you know, that that I've heard back from, you know, from from priority. One other thought that I've had, I I love the Bible and I want to see, this is one of the areas where I'd like to see how we can help our women get through the scriptures as well, because I do believe that as a culture, we're biblically illiterate. We've got more resources than ever before, but nobody's reading the Bible like they they could or should even. And I hate to say should because that seems like a shame word, but we really recognize the life-giving, substantive nourishment of the Word of God, you know, then, then we would drive ourselves to it. You know, I hear pushback sometimes on, we only teach the Bible and we don't address an issue unless we come to it in the Bible. You know, I think about Paul's letters. What were they? It was Paul who was addressing the current contextual issues of those churches in that day and applying the scriptures, applying God's truth to their context and to their issues and discipling them in the word of God around those those issues. And so, you know, it wasn't that Paul was just teaching the Torah or the, you know, the, the prophets or whatever. And then if he got to an issue, he would talk about it. No, it was like, hey, this is happening among you and this isn't right. And this is how you need to think about it. And this is how we can be transformed. And so that's really what we're trying to do with the people in our church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where I think your resources. Number one, we appreciate your, the hospitality of your church, you know, and just how you steward the resources and share those out. But I think that's one of the things that's so intriguing about um, about what you bring with the discipleship, because we often hear the church isn't talking about this, the church won't talk about this, and you know, there are good leaders in the church. I often find that if they don't know how to talk about it, it's not that they don't want to. And um, in in light of our current situation, you know what's going on, and you know in current events, I find myself there. I'm I'm cautious of what I say. Not that not that I don't want to have a voice. Not that I don't want to go there and engage it. I often don't know how to engage it, and I'm and I'm cautious because I'm afraid what I say may do more damage because I speak it incorrectly. Somebody may know, oh, she's got the root wrong, or she doesn't understand the word, and and it can. I'm, I'm more cautious of it killing the credibility, and that's what I love about your resources because somebody like a Carmen, you know, a lay leader that's um, in the game. You know, I want to be in the game. I want to learn. Um, we were talking to somebody earlier this week. I want to strengthen my theology. Mm. But that's what your resources do. And so, you know, so I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to that. But what would you say to um, what would you say to our church leaders here in Illinois that may find themselves? And I'm not saying that's all of them. But what would you say to that church leader that may find themselves in that category? Like, man, I want to learn what would be my next step? Okay, I can get your book, read your book, but I, I want to strengthen myself there to be able to, you know, to address those topics. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's a that's a good question. I think the first thing is, is read, read and read and read some more. You know, it's interesting when my boss first hired me for this position, and, and let me say from the out, 
from the, from the beginning, like I have, I don't even have a college degree. I didn't go to any kind of seminary. I barely graduated high school because of the path that I took as a young adult. And to find myself in this position is hilarious to me. (laughs) But my boss, when he hired me for this, he said, I want you to read. And the word he used was promiscuous. He said, I want you to read promiscuously. I want you to read the world's prophets and to know what the world says as much as you know what the scriptures say. And I think that that has been one of the things that has helped me the most, because I think a lot of times as leaders in the church, we get in our bubble and then we don't have any credibility with the world because we're not living in the real world. You know, we just keep living in a little Christian bubble. And I think we have to understand that a lot of times what's happening in the world is often a result of the church's silence. The church hasn't led well. It hasn't spoken into the situation well. And here's the thing, like we're doing this now, but there's something that we're missing, you know, that the next generation is going to be reaping the fruit of, you know, bad or good. And so I think recent events, I think we can see there's an area that the church has not spoken into and and led well. And so I think the, I would say you, first you just read and you read with people you don't agree with, and you read from people that aren't even believers Uh, You read people that are in different theological camps, and then you take it all to the scriptures. Mm -hmm. I love your story when you share that because you are just so intelligent, you know, in what's Paul say, you know, you are somebody's resume, you know, the endorsement, regardless of what a piece of paper is showing on a wall, you know, and we're recipients of that and we're grateful. And that's encouraging to somebody that may discount themselves from the game um, because they don't have this piece of paper, but man, they've just got such knowledge because they're learners, you know, they do read and, and so forth. What does this look like playing out in Grace Church? In other words, how is this discipleship model made an impact on the lives of the people in your church, as well as the community that the church has been positioned to to reach? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a good question. And I, I honestly think we're still trying to see that play out because it's still easy for us as women and maybe as as human beings, but I just have to talk from my context. It's still very easy for us to sit and absorb information and walk away and go, oh, that was a good study. What's next? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think one of the things that we've been trying to fight against is Bible study as entertainment, Bible study as just a delivery method for or mechanism for fellowship. And so I think we're still trying to remind people that the seven weeks or the 10 weeks that you are with this small group of women going through um, a particular study is actually just laying the foundation of the scriptures and helping you get not just clarity on what the scripture says about this topic, but clarity on the ways in which you are struggling in this area or the sin that you may have, and then next steps you know, to take and, but it doesn't stop at the end of those 10 weeks, Mm -hmm. right? This is like, we've identified core areas that, that we're going to struggle with 
for the rest of our lives. Now, God willing, we'll have significant healing over a period of time, but we cannot stop discipleship at the end of 10 weeks and think, okay, check, I'm good. I've got that now. And so the the biggest issue for us and where I feel like we still need help is this just began the conversation, but you have to continue that conversation for the rest of your life. You know, thankfully, from one degree to another, the Holy Spirit is transforming us and sanctifying us more and more and more into the image and likeness of Christ and peeling the layers of the onion in um, this area or that area or whatever. But like, I'm not going to reach perfection on this side of eternity in any area. And so, you know, I think we still are fighting against the what's next mentality, but What I will say is that there have been a core group of women in our church who have gotten some real clarity, maybe not in all of the areas, but in particular areas of brokenness in their lives. So, you know, whether it's real clarity and what it means to be created as a woman in the image of God, to be a necessary strength and what her unique contributions are and then how her season of life can inform how she lives that out, and then deploying herself in her spheres of influence, in her community, in her church, in her neighborhood, in her marriage, or in her single life, or whatever, to see them really have the light come on and go, oh, I am necessary. I have something I have to do. I have work Mm -hmm. to do that is good, God-given work. Mm -hmm. And so that's been some things. We've seen women that have found some significant healing from shame. Uh, Mm -hmm. We found that to be a real core issue for a lot of our women. And to be able to, especially in the church, that oftentimes is you don't want your brokenness to be seen. You don't want to talk about your brokenness because you feel like you're supposed to have it all together as a Christian. For us to create an opportunity for um, women to come together and be like, no, let me tell you, this is the present sin in my life, or these are the present pains in my life. So we've found some women find some real freedom in that area. You know, our young women are encouraged. I get to teach our young college interns every summer our redeeming sexuality curriculum. And and it never fails that I've got women that come in there and they've, they will tell me, I've never told anybody this. Mm-hmm. And um, I never felt like I could talk about this in church. And nobody ever told me about sex. I had to go and find it out on my own, you mm-hmm. know? And if sex is God's creation, how much more should we as the church talk about it, right? right? So, you know, I think we're seeing some areas of growth over 10 years Mm -hmm. in that, but we've got a long way to go, if I'm honest. You know, I think it's still real easy, especially in the South, to be a cultural Christian. You know, you show up, you attend church, you do Bible study, you post your devotions online and pictures of you with your Bible and your coffee. And and it's just real easy for us to play a good Christian girl, but to really get into the nitty gritty and do the hard work of discipleship. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's still an area that we have a lot of work to do, Um, Mm -hmm. but we're definitely moving the needle, you know, 
Um, I remember when my boss and when we first launched um, the biblical femininity study 10 years ago, he said, we've got to think in terms of decades and not years. Mm -hmm. And we're only one decade in. I think we've got a decade worth of work left to do to really start to see some generational life change. Christy, thank you so much for giving us time today. Ladies, if you're not connected with us, uh, make sure you're checking out our website, IBSA backslash women. That's where you can find details of upcoming things or these resources, you know, that can benefit you. If you're not following us on Facebook, Illinois Baptist Women, and invite others to, to follow the community. Christy, again, thank you so much for joining us. It was so fun. Thanks for having me. Okay, ladies, I hope you enjoyed having a fresh listen to what Christy had to say and that your, 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 you know, your gears are just a spin and your wheels are spinning in your mind thinking about what does that look like to invite a woman into Bible, um, Bible literacy, you know, and, and not just the Bible reading, which is key, but also how do we pull out some of those special issues and, and the walk the women through in our church, you know, that, that of the women that God's bringing to your local church. And just a reminder, um, Christy will be with us at Awesome. So we're going to, um, if, if you've never been to Awesome, come. If you got some student girls, get them plugged in. Um, that'll be held in November. And we're going to put the um, registration links and a, and a link to our promo video for Awesome in the, the episode notes of this particular podcast. So, All right, ladies, I hope you have a great rest of your day. I hope you have a good weekend. And I'll see you back here next week on the Priority Now podcast. You've been listening to the Priority Now podcast with host Carmen Halsey. Resources mentioned today are listed in the episode notes in the podcast app. Stay connected with us through social media and our website, ibsa.org women.